Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Six Rings King Show on a new night, Monday night now, baby. We're really excited, actually, to have Eric McLean on the show here, college football analyst, co-host of the Huddle. Coach, yes, all right. First touchdown of the year. Bobby Hurricanes, yeah, you know the name. Already, it's Mercy. It's the Six Red King Show. Can't forget the name, though. Got Jazz, Blue Vision, DJ, break the game code. Ain't no changing up, ain't no breaking up. Real port alive from the Hall Rock Stadium. Ball 14 for the orange and green. You see the Six Red Champs, it's more than a dream. This is life on the field. Beyond 100 yards of hurricane, that's never still put a damage in the What's wrong with us? Seriously. What's wrong with us? We're Miami Hurricanes fans. Welcome to the Six Rings Cane Show, a show dedicated to Miami Hurricane sports, featuring the legendary Larry Bluestein, Jazz Santana, Vish, and Danny Gillette. Let's go Canes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Six Rings Canes basketball. I mean, I'm calling these specials, but we do them more frequently than the actual show. So <laughs> hopefully you're all familiar with my guest here, Matty Icy. Matt, welcome back. Uh, I know this isn't the show. We we had plans for Sunday to uh, do the uh, championship game preview, but it didn't go our way. But thanks for uh, for joining me again here. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Um, I wish it was under better circumstances, but I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, I, I, I will say it's awesome that the uh, standard we have now is, you know, losing in the final four and finishing third. We're singing like, man, I wish, wish things had got better for us. So we've come a long, come a long way here. Oh no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the elite eight kind of set the standard for that last year's appearance. So, um, but I mean, the future is bright. Yep, and we're gonna we're gonna dig into that. Before we get started, though, just a quick shout out to uh, the third leg of our basketball coverage stool here, uh, Melissa. It's her birthday, so happy birthday, Melissa! Um, and then also got to give a shout out to my two friends who I finally went to a game not by myself. Uh, a couple of my college buddies, Dan and Zahid. Thanks for uh, heading to Houston. Uh, so I got to you know reconnect with some old friends who who Matt also hung out with a bit and. Yeah, Matt and I spent a lot of the weekend together. So uh, yeah, no, it was awesome. It was, to good. It was awesome. Person. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a good time. I mean, just obviously didn't go our way, but experiencing like going to a Final Four that was really cool. You know, um, all the pregame stuff. And I don't know about you, but like when we pulled up to uh, is it NRG or NG NRG right? NRG. Yeah. Um, and I saw the stadium, and I saw like the U up there. I don't know. I just got this like feeling of just like you know what i mean like 
just so much happiness and stuff. Um, I mean, I wish wish the game went the other way, but it, it was it was yeah, just a great all around experience. And, and and we're gonna obviously talk about the game a little bit. We also want to talk about a lot of a lot of stuff has happened since then. Several players are in the portal. Like we, we got to go through all that. Did not think this much was gonna be happening. By the time Wednesday so we almost, around, we almost need to gloss over the game a bit here. But yeah, I think I've gotten over the. Uh, Obviously, that loss hurts. You know, we were, especially if, you know, you saw how the championship game goes. I think it's fair to say we were one game away from winning the championship because I don't think there's any way we would have lost to San Diego State. So I think, you know, to be that close, but as that kind of the pain of that loss fades away, you're right. It's kind of like reflecting on the overall experience. It, it was awesome. And I, yeah. I think that that's going to be the lasting kind of memory of the season. Although I forget who's, I think it was Texas's coach actually said it after the elite he said this sucks or maybe it was kansas states one of them was like he's like every team loses their last game but one of them <laughs> so it doesn't matter how good you do and how far you go you're gonna lose that last game unless you win the championship unfortunately for us that was on on saturday um oh, absolutely all right well let's let's get into it because we got a lot to cover and have an f1 show at eight so um, let's get it so, over with yeah well well, no that's because i want to get through there's a lot to get through because again i know i know, we thought I know. We were i'm gonna talking spread... about the game i'm talking about the game recap so i guess you know we both thought miami would win part of that's obviously because we're homers but we did justify that with actual reasons um so i guess what went what caught you off guard or surprised you because certainly even in thinking Miami would lose, I mean, kind of got manhandled there. So <laughs> it wasn't yeah. exactly our best game. But what, I guess no, what, I mean, what surprised you about that game? It, I think it's a like a couple reasons. First of all, I thought we did not shoot well. We didn't make shots that we had made all tournament, which I get, you know, to some teams they are to a higher degree. Um, when you look at how, like, they are contested, but they're shots that we made all tournament. Um you look at our main three scores in um, Pack Wong and Miller. They're averaging like I think it was like fifty-two points per game combined uh, in the tournament, and I think we got around like thirty-four. So obviously, when you're missing that much production offensively, that's going to impact you. Um, I just remember looking up. I, I can't remember when it was in in the first half. And just seeing we were seven for 28 from the field. And I was like, oh my God, when was the last time we shot that poorly? Um, and I mean, it's tough to beat an opponent like UConn when you're shooting um, at that rate. Uh, and then I think just like the standard that was set at the start, like Sonogo made those two threes. And it's just like, it just deflated me. I was just like, oh man, I don't have a good feeling about this now. Um but I mean, shout out to them because I don't think they ever gave up the entire game. They worked to try to get back. Um, I think close closer to the end of the second half, uh, we we talked about this a little bit after the game. We made that run. We were within like eight. Isaiah Wong gets tripped um, after he would have had like a fast break layup, would have cut the game to six. They end up drilling a three because it's a five on four and the game is up to 11. And I mean, that's kind of all she wrote. Um, that was, yeah, that, yeah, I, I, I think f for me, I, I agree that the team kept fighting. If you're, you recall after that nine Oh run actually tied the game at one point, um, mm -hmm. when pack hit that three. And then I, I think the big thing, actually, when it was nine, nothing, I was, I was actually okay. Like, cause I'm like, look, if, if Sonogo hitting threes is how they're going to build the lead and 
I felt we were getting the looks we needed to get. I I and I was like, these are gonna go in because we're yeah. getting open mid range shots, we're getting open looks from three, we're getting to the rim, we're getting what we want, and they never went in. Like they never went in. We missed so many lay fourteen layouts. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think I'm, we talked about this too. Is like. You know, Nigel Pack, when he went to the basket, I'm just using him as one yeah. example. He goes up and un- uncharacteristically like double clutches a layup or tries to reverse on the other side when he had enough space to finish on the right side, you know, and it's misjudging their length, right? I think that was something, you know, that they've never, we haven't seen that from him in any other game, but it's like when you're on this stage, you know, maybe you make mistakes like that and whatnot. Um so that was just some. There's just some uncharacteristic things from yeah, this and team just, as and well. I, and, and I think it's it's steamrolled. I mean, we benched Wug like completely benched yeah. him. It's crazy. Even when Pat's shoe exploded, which is a whole other thing. Um, we went to Beverly. We didn't go back to Wuga. It was like crazy, just how quickly it's like. All right, you can't play anymore. You're just out of it. And and i mean this that talk about uncharacteristic just like he was completely lost there and I, he wasn't the only one you know we, we actually when after the the drake game we're talking about how we got away with that and we shot so poorly because jordan miller was missing his little like fadeaway you know from the pain or from the elbow that he always makes it's basically automatic on wong was missing his baseline jumpers it happened again here, except against a better team, and this was the result. I, I think, yeah. you know, we just weren't hitting the shots that one of the one of the reasons we're hard to guard is because as a defense, you want to force you know teams into the mid range. You don't want to give up layups. You don't want to give up open threes. So if you're going to concede something, you want it to be mid range, and we're really good at that. So it's almost like we punish good defense, and we just missed all those shots. I mean, Woga is the best example of that. Just repeatedly got to the spots he's been you know that wooga jump from last year to this year where he's like now he's a weapon offensively he'll knock down open threes he'll hit all those mid-range shots i mean this was last year's wooga right, that's what we yeah. got to and it's just he's just one example though i don't think anyone really played well wong had that one spurt you mentioned which ended with him being tackled in the open field <laughs> wish we could get get our football team to tackle like that but um i know but uh but that 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 ended with the no call but before that he had scored and then hit a three and he was kind of starting to get it going that kind of ended that also um but yeah i i, I mean you were also in the arena obviously or stadium it's not an arena um yeah you want to talk about my experience yeah let's i, I do want to talk a little bit about like where you sat who you sat with but um <laughs> If you, if you want to know about my experience, Melissa and I talked about our experiences on Mondays. You can you can play that one back. I do want to get Matt's perspective, but I do think the other thing, just in terms of the actual play on the court, it is unless you've actually been in there, it is impossible to 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 understand how weird it is to play basketball. Yeah, the depth perception is oh my it God. just throws you off. I didn't realize how much space was behind the basket. Yeah, yeah. I actually took a picture and tweeted it out because I was like, look, this doesn't do it justice, but you will not believe how much crap is behind the basket before you get to the stands. Like, it is unbelievable. The ball sounds funny. The rims sound funny. The whole thing is just like an odd experience. But again, I would say out of the four teams there, we handled it the worst. <laughs> so, so like, we got, we appeared to get overwhelmed by the moment. We were just more like we're more talented, so we actually fought the game back and ended up being like UConn's toughest game. But, um, but you know, we did not put our best foot forward. I think a lot of that had to do with the environment. Um, before we start talking about how the players in the portal and where we may be headed, 
I do want to do want you to uh, not to relive painful memories, but once you talk through kind of your, your viewing experience, your see what you could and could not potentially see, and then the the company you kept. Yeah. So, uh, well, okay. I got two things to say. One, I'll I'll start I'll start there though. So first game, I sat with you guys, right? Because um, you had an extra ticket, and so I could s- sit with you guys for a while. Yeah, one of my just... one of my friends' um, flight was supposed to land at one. It landed at six. So, yeah, and this is again Central Time, so everything's an hour earlier. So the first game had already started. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, we were enjoying that game, and then we kind of got up and we're hanging outside at one of the bars and stuff. Because it was and, a blowout. Uh, I fully admit this on Monday show. We were sitting on the patio when that buzzer meter happened. Yeah, but we could still hear how we loud could hear it. it yeah, no, we still got a little bit of the vibes, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I hadn't been to my seat, the actual seat, like the ticket I bought the entire time. And so I make my way over there, and there's not as many people sitting down. And I see a couple of Yukon fans, and I'm just sitting there waiting for the for the game to kind of start up and i'm just on my phone on twitter you know just looking at stuff and then i see it start to fill up around me and then i kind of look around and i'm like wait i was like this is all yukon fans i was the only miami fan in the entire section i was in one of those corner uh sections like um which would be a good seat if you're watching a football game um unfortunately because how far back you are because a basketball court is so much smaller than a football field. It wasn't the greatest seats. It was, you know, pretty far away because like the student section is kind of in between. And then there's some like floor seats and then there's like the corner sections. Um, so it's, it was hard to see even too. I had to rewatch the game to see a lot more stuff, but yeah, so it wasn't the greatest experience. You know, they, there was a couple times Sonogo had a basket inside and the, guys in front of me there's a group of like 10 of them would like look back at me and just flex on me and yell and it's like what, oh, what do see, i see see they're, they're lucky look, look, not, not to tell too much of your personal story but um you know matt's from california um he's a miami fan he's not from miami they're lucky because if they had done that to someone from miami there would have been fisticuffs we fight people and yeah. <laughs> that would have ended up and i don't care if it's one on 50 that dude is starting to fight. So they were lucky that it was you sitting there and not, not a Miami native. Well, and I'm sure they felt ultra confident when it's just me by myself and there's like 15 of them. You know what I mean? Um, not to mention all the other Yukon fans in that section. I had to look over to the right, like two sections to find Miami fans. So, and granted, there was more Miami fans than Yukon fans. Like we should preface it with that. It oh yeah, just, no, we have, I was our in fans the heart. actually showed up, which was yeah, impressive. Um, yeah, I think the the other thing I'm curious, like, would it have been a better, I guess, viewing angle if you were higher up? Because Melissa was saying, like, she was. I mean, if you've seen her picture, and she was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> she was about as high up as you could get. Um, but I think she said she could see okay because you're looking down at the court. I think those lower levels, if you're not within the frame of the court, you're basically just looking across people to try and yeah. find the court and you don't really get that because if you're looking down at it you can at least see stuff it's like if you're playing a video game right you look down like they often use like the the, the overhead thing because you can actually kind of see better i i'm curious like could you see it all really because you're gonna have to look across because you're almost you, on the same level you're barely elevated and you're yeah. kind of having to look through a bunch of people to get there 
Yeah. I mean, when they were going the opposite way, that was like my best vantage point and I could see pretty well, but still like seeing fouls and whatnot, like I couldn't really see that. Um, that was something I had to go back and rewatch, but obviously you can't, I don't <laughs> think I would have done this. I've watched mainly the highlights. I, I wasn't able to watch the full game cause it's like not up there. Um, and I, I don't know if I really would want to <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but, it's, it's not great. <laughs> so I think I think lesson learned. I think we, we learned something. About, I think all of us learned something about watching a uh, basketball game in a football stadium and and where to economize your uh, ticket spend in the future. Yeah, in terms no, of absolutely. like actually, absolutely. this worst seat is a better seat, right? I think you kind of figure that out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my seats were obviously <laughs> fine, but they were just yeah. ridiculously expensive. So uh, you know, I don't know if I would shell that much out again. Um, but yeah, next time we'll definitely. Like Melissa was talking to, we'll do a better job of coordinating and all sitting together so we're not spread all over the arena. Yeah. I told her I'm not going to the upper deck corner where she's at, though. We gotta at least move centrally, yeah. but we'll, we'll find a middle ground. We'll find a middle not, ground there. If I'm if I'm going to another game like that, like a final four, you know, something of that level, like I'm I'm shelling out for mid court. Like it's okay if it's hot like upper sections, but you gotta be mid court, man. Yeah, I think I think you gotta be in that. I think the big thing is the court is maybe a third of the actual football field so yeah. you got to be within the frame of it so if you're looking just pro tip for everyone if you're looking for seats doesn't matter how high it is you got look across and see are you actually across from the court because i would say at least half the seats in that arena are not they're behind no. the court and again it's for football so they don't even really face the court you're almost facing straight down at other fans you got to almost turn sideways and kind of crane your neck even to get a view of the court so definitely like keep it within the frame of the court no absolutely and you'll actually get actually so my boy here uh had some nerves of steel and waited until the last minute to buy tickets so so he got a great price on it at least because because melissa paid 200 bucks for her nosebleed so yeah uh, and i got mine for half the price yeah on the lower deck but actually you know upper deck more more towards the middle is a better yeah, I could have gotten upper deck cheaper. It's just I didn't realize in the moment. You know, right. I mean, I we were all trying seat. to figure that. So one of the reasons we ended up shelling that much money out for the seats I sat in is because we were like, all right, we're spending all this money to go there. And then also we couldn't tell basically exactly what happened to you. We were worried was going to happen. Like mm-hmm. spend all this money and then go sit down and then like can't see. So we're like, you know what? Because <laughs> we were talking about like on for if we'd won Monday because we didn't have a ticket for Monday yet. We'll have a better idea of okay, you can sit in this section and see fine, don't sit here. Because yeah. once you see it. Um, but yeah, don't ever buy pro tip for everyone, don't ever buy tickets outside the frame of the court, especially on the lower deck. Because actually, oh, if you go higher up, you can kind of see from like the bird's eye view. But better if you're on the point, yeah, yeah, and then they they charge you more for like the lower level in like the end of the court than the upper deck towards the middle, and you definitely want the upper. Yeah, I couldn't even find upper deck in the middle though. Like like the middle sections, there was no tickets listed. I, I have a feeling just even like just the section behind yours and up, you would have seen a lot better. Oh, for sure. And that yeah. and that's that's I think like just if unless you're don't sit don't sit on the lowest level unless you're in the frame of the court. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't see anything. Yeah, or just pretend to be a student and go into the student section somehow. Yeah, I'm. you might be able to pull that off. I am way too old for that. But... I don't know, man. I'm starting to <laughs> – I don't know about that. I wear hats for a reason. Um. All right, so 
Uh, I think that's probably about enough for that. I mean, I think we just, I mean, I think the big thing is we didn't play well. Um, yeah. And, and... I actually have a question that kind of leads to what we want to talk okay. about, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like an overwhelming majority of people on Twitter uh, kind of said that we lost this game because of a lack of size. Um, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that kind of transitions into what we're looking for in the transfer portal as well. So I don't actually agree with that. And, and the reason, well, the the reason for that is I do, I do agree. We lack size and their size ended up winning them the game, but we lost because we didn't execute what we normally do. We've never been big. We just make the other team pay for us being small. We play quicker than them. We get layups, we get open shots. And this is the first time this year that we didn't force the other team's hand. Like Duke plays two bigs. We beat the crap out of them once, barely lost in Cameron and, you know, hung in them to the end without Norchad. We just, if you, if you don't make your, what happened? We missed our layups. We missed our mid range. We missed our open threes. Like you said, we shot 20 something percent in the first half. That allows them to keep their bigs on the floor and impose their will. Our whole premise of our game is, you, if you want to play big men, you can play them, and yeah, you'll you'll score, you'll you'll beat us inside. Like we're not big inside, we'll then score back at you. We're fine playing to ninety. Do you want to run with us like that, or are you going to make an adjustment? Invariably, the other team makes an adjustment, but we were playing to twenty <laughs> the first half, and that's where yeah, and was. and I think people too they were looking at the rebounding statistics, and I'm like, well, when you miss that many shots, they're going to rebound a lot more at a higher rate just like we had more offensive rebounds because we kept missing and we were getting yeah. offensive rebounds off of our offensive rebounds. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm in the same boat. Um, I do think that we do need depth, you know, another big, that we definitely need, I, I think we definitely need, we need more size period. Like I, I don't, not just, um, not just from a depth perspective, which we definitely do need, but also just, we need more options there. We it, it would be nice to bring a seven-footer in occasionally. For yeah. example, in this game, given the way it was going, it would have been nice to have a guy that we could throw the ball into the post to, you know, something just to, to depressurize the situation a little bit. Like, we're very talented, and we make tough shots, and that's why we're so good. If the tough shots aren't going, you know, it becomes a problem. Yes, we missed a lot of layups, but also those mid-range shots, like if you watch the Texas game and the shots we're making, like mortals don't make that. We do. Now, we're in the final four because we make those shots, but still, that is still a high degree of difficulty where if you're not shooting well, you can really struggle. And it would be nice to have other ways to score, other ways to – and actually, Norchad did score in the post a decent amount. Um but yeah, I, I think you know having that ability to yeah we can match up as a center, center to center like legitimately height wise we can throw this into the post maybe get a bucket when we need to having that I guess you know using a baseball analogy having a third pitch that we can go mm-hmm. to when we need to not the primary pitch we still got the fastball and I want to keep throwing it and I think that's where we're going with this conversation um, but uh, but you know it would be nice to develop an extra pitch so we can have another kind of tool to play with there. Yeah, having that lineup versatility, right? Right, because we kind of only have the one way we can play effectively. Um, and when it didn't work, there was no option to like, all right, let's bring a seven-footer in and kind of bang with them. We don't have that option. Um, yeah. So I, that's where I'd like to address. Now, speaking of which, 
let's let's I guess name some names here. So we have three players in the transfer portal last time I checked, unless someone else dropped in there by the yeah. time. Um, I guess the only one that really played was Anthony Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um Favor Air, who was a legitimate center. He he's in yeah. the, he he went in there. And then I'm gonna mispronounce this Jovanovic. Den- Danilo Jovanovic. Jovanovic. Got it. I I think wait, that's I, how I, it. Okay, well, I'll go with what you said because I know I mispronounced it. Yeah. And he hadn't really played either, but he was supposed to be kind of a stretch wing, potentially a stretch four type um shooter. And uh, he, he's in the portal too. So I guess um I mean we should I'm not gonna bash the kid in the portal, but uh man, Anthony Walker capped his career with an Anthony Walkering performance there. And obviously did not play in the second half for a reason, but just I mean, I, I, I know he's probably the one that he's definitely the one that played the most this year. He was the kind of the big off the bench, which is yeah. probably part of the problem to begin with because he's not that big. Um yeah. so I but I think he's the one that had significant playing time that that's not coming back. I th- favor air. I still felt needed like another year of seasoning. And anyway. yeah, I think he was a year away from being a year away. To yeah. Be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. It's um, kind of one of those long, long-term projects, which frankly, you're just not going to get in college. Basketball I think anymore. it's kind of similar. A lot of people are saying Tony Jacari. Um, yeah. I think Jacari played a little bit more than he probably would have, um, but more of a later like development. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I just don't think the way the portal is and the way roster turnover is now that you're ever going to really see that. All right. This guy's going to develop for three years and then like be a good starter. Like I just yeah. don't, don't know that that's ever happening again. Um, all right. So out of those three, is any, any that, I mean, you actually, I know Walker didn't surprise you because you told me <laughs> before. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I think he's going to the portal, but did any of those surprise you or any of them like concerning? Um... I'll say the one that surprised me the most was Jovanovic because I think he kind of fit what we were doing. I think he was a little ways away before playing, but I really liked his potential um, and his versatility on offense. I think he needed to improve as a defender, and I think he'd be the first one to say that as well. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, not totally surprising, I should say. I would not be shocked if there was another name. Yeah, so as there's, well. a, there, there's a couple more, right? That were pro- so. There's Jakai, right? I think. I think Jakai would be the most likely. Yeah, if I'm just, guessing. Just, yeah, and then, I mean, so let's let's look at what we still have. So Nigel Pack, I haven't heard a formal "I'm back." I, I think everyone's assuming he's coming back. Um, yeah, it'd be funny if it all got announced while we're doing this as well. I mean, should we refresh Twitter? Just <laughs> I have it up. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So if there's breaking news, just let me know. I mean, if Nigel Pack goes pro or something, we're gonna have to have like an emergency. Hunter <laughs> Dickinson going to? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're gonna have to have some kind of an emergency show if Nigel Pack goes pro. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, but so I think Pack should be back. We still don't know on Zay. Um, I still think he's gonna go, but you know he hasn't officially declared yet. I think it's closer than people think. I think the I... moving it's i mean i think the the thing that is going to be the determining factor is john ruiz right that's, well i, that's I think there, there's definitely a, like, like yes you you can get i think there's two things though i think there's definitely john ruiz in terms of like what's the nil deal look like um the second thing is look he's accomplished any everything you can as an individual he had yeah. two, he had two more games to win and I do think we minimize the whole 
I want to actually win a championship. And yeah. like I think I think depending on you know how we fill out the rest of the roster might also do if he looks at this and like we can win, you know, that's something they'll never that's something that stays with you forever, right? And and yeah. getting to the final four is great. And I think, you know, if that is his last game is in the final four, I think he'll be at peace with that. But if he actually thinks, hey, if I'm back, this team can win like win the championship. That's often enough to get someone to come back just by itself. Um, now Johnny Ruiz will have to kick in some money, which I think will happen anyway, regardless. But I, I think um, I think that's a huge factor as well. Like, what what does he think of the prospects of the team? Because you know, if you think I'm the missing piece between winning a championship, that do you that's know a the lot. deadline? Do you know the deadline for putting your I, name? I, d- I don't. I don't. Because I could see this kind of like going on for a bit well yeah because you can put your name in and then pull it out which is what it yeah. might end up happening i mean he's done that the past two seasons right right, he tested right. draft waters right that. right but i will say from an individual standpoint i don't think his draft stock's gonna go up he certainly has won every individual award you can really realistically win so it is really got to be like you said nil money and team prospects yeah, I mean, he loves playing with Nigel Pack. That's you know one of the things that's always talked right. about. So right, and and again, like if he knows he's going to be, let's say, borderline first round, second round draft pick, probably around that spot, right? Does he then say, "Well, I'm going to be that next year anyway"? But like I said, John Ruiz will pay me, so I will make money anyway. Maybe not first round NBA money, but I'll make big money. Um, and maybe we can win this thing, right? Yeah. I, I think that. I think that's probably the determining factor. So we don't know on him. Um, we have Christian Watson, who I think needs a much expanded role. Um, yeah. You know also... my feelings. Yeah. So No, I think we're both really high on him. Um, but then I just want to run through the numbers and we can kind of break it down. Okay. okay. Bensley Go Joseph ahead. is still there. So that's another guard slash mm-hmm. wing. Harlan Beverly still has a year left. He's still in the mix. And then Wooga. All of those are in one position, or one, or really three positions. But that's that is that is a lot, because um, again, Pack and Wong will play a majority of minutes. Period. If they're there, so you know it's not a lot of not a lot of court time for those. And I think we're kind of almost back to where you were last year, which is so much of the talent is concentrated at the three wing spots, and we're very shallow depth wise at the front court. It's kind of where where it looks right now. But let's just talk about those. I know if you want to talk about Christian Watson, I guess my question to you around him as you talk about his game is also, could he potentially play stretch four? He's the same height as Jordan Miller, but I don't think he has that wingspan. He doesn't really have that kind of game, but I'm curious what you think if, if, if we want to go real small at times, if that's a position he could play. Yeah, I don't think you start the year with him starting at the four, but I think it's a lineup that we do see. I, I hope we see. Uh, I know that they have been really big on him in practice and everything. He's six seven, kind of a bigger frame than Jordan Miller. I think he outweighs him by like probably 20 pounds, I would say, around. I think he's definitely intriguing offensively. Really good shot. I really like his shot. High release point. That's something, you know, a little different. Jordan Miller wasn't, you know, he improved as a jump shooter this year. But his, you know, bread and butter was kind of getting in that low post, creating shots in that way. I don't think Christian Watson's, you know, that type of player yet or even close to that. I don't think that's his game. But, I think he's much more of a perimeter shooter. Yeah, but, 
I do like he is a decent facilitator from what I saw in high school with the ball for his size. So I just I just think he has a lot of potential. Um, I would love to see him in the rotation next year. How much is a question. I, I mean, we're going to be talking about this, but it's just going to be all dependent on what transfers we get. Right. And also, again, if if Zay goes pro, which I, I still expect him to do, then, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of minutes that open up for yeah. Watson to potentially capture. And obviously, Jordan Miller is gone. So that that whole position that's what needs, was... needs to be filled. Yeah, because well. I think Jordan had the most minutes out of anyone on our team. Yeah, um, and that's why I asked the question on whether you can see Watson playing there because that is the that is the spot where there's all sorts of minutes available um, and potentially a shooting guard as well if, if Wong goes pro. I mean, yeah. I showed you this yesterday. Obviously, Walker's gone over a projected lineup that they had on ESPN with uh, Bensley Joseph starting next to Nigel Pack. I can't imagine you see that. That's too small. No, I, I don't think we're going to see that. So I don't think I, so either. I, so I, I think actually, I think if, um, if Wong goes, I actually think we will see Watson starting at shooting guard probably, or you know, interchangeable with Wuga. Basically, they're both playing wing off of Nigel. Um, yeah, and I mean, again, you mentioned then. Yeah, we six, mentioned five, six, seven. Yeah, you got some serious height there. But then we mentioned Jakai. Like, I don't see any minutes for him to be honest. Yeah. Um... As a high school recruit, I, I saw, you know, lefty score. Uh, I just don't know at this level, the power conference level. Obviously, we haven't really seen him play that much. So I just don't know really what to expect from him. I think, you know, if he stays here, he's kind of maybe he'll play like a senior year type of thing. But I do think he's someone that will probably look to transfer. Yeah, I guess again, you honest. said it kind of ma- matters who comes in too. Yeah. Um, but also, like, if Wong goes and we don't bring in any more backcourt, there are minutes for him. Then. Yeah. Potentially. I here's here's the thing though, Vish. From what I've seen in terms of like the fact that we just got done with a Final Four appearance and uh, we had three guys already say that they're or already enter the transfer portal it's kind of telling to me that we're already kind of in the works of getting some guys. So to me, I, we're going to have guys come in. No, no, for sure. I think it matters what position they come in at. Um, Oh, got it. Okay. Like if we, if we get another guard, I mean, there's not even, we're trying to figure out how to get Kristen Watson some minutes. So I think if, if Zay goes, that opens up a lot of possibilities, but what I'm looking at who has left so far, they're in the front court. And I think it's because not just based on the on the on the final four game, but overall, you know, Jordan Miller and, and Norchad were the only guys that were trusted at all. <laughs> and the other one was like, let me see if I can buy some minutes here. Maybe I'll give Casey a shot this game. All right, Walker, you play the next game. Screw this. We're just gonna play without a center. Like, I mean, I think that was pretty telling that none of those guys got like I mean, we both thought Favor was a project and you know it's gonna it's multiple years to get to that level. But the fact that, you know, we're have Jordan Miller on a seven, two person in the, in the final four, trying to grab rebounds and no one in their right mind thought put the big dude in the, we have one tall player. <laughs> no one thought to put him in the game. I think it's pretty telling because we needed someone with height. So I think those three probably see the writing. I think I would expect most of our, and we'll, we'll, let's, let's pivot to this. 
most of our mm -hmm. incoming um, transfer portal people to be in the front court to address that a gap we did have this year. Jordan Miller and Norchad, that was great. Behind them was was not. And whether foul trouble or even just trying to rotate, even without foul trouble, like, all right, can we give Norchad two minutes on the bench? Lose seven points off the margin. <laughs> yeah. bring it back. Like, I mean, it's a, you can't have that. Um, we saw that in the, in the Final Four game. We saw that against Texas. We saw that against Drake. We almost lost the Drake game because we tried to buy like two minutes with Anthony Walker and he almost blew the game by himself. And And that's not a knock on him. I think that happened when we put Casey in as well. It's just, you know, the drop-off from Norchad and Jordan Miller to the backups was so vast that if any of them were on the court, it was a problem. And so I think they weren't going to magically get like – Casey actually could develop much better because he's just a freshman. But Anthony Walker is a fourth-year junior. He's not going to all of a sudden like develop to the point that – you know, he's going to get 15 minutes a game. Like, no one's going to trust no. him to do that. And so I think that's why he's going in. I won't say Danilo's name, but uh, <laughs> last name, I'll, I'll leave that to you. But uh, Jovanovic. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he was uh, – I think when you look at how we're playing, was he really – was was he going to position more as a wing? I don't think he was going to go mix it up in the paint either. So then he's got a very crowded position. Um because, again, I don't think anyone thinks he's better than Christian Watson. And we're trying to figure out how to get Christian Watson some minutes here. So I think when you look at the three that left, it is kind of a lot of, I don't think they were going to play. And part of that is, good transition here, to uh, what might be coming in the portal. So I guess you can get specific names or you can talk more generally. Or you can do a little of both. But what are you looking for here to address? Because I guess we have three we have Jordan Miller, who did do like an ongoing pro announcement, even though he was out of eligibility, but kind of just yeah. to th thank the community and just talk about how he's preparing for the draft, which was a nice little send off because not all seniors do that when everyone knows they're leaving. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, so he's gone and then the three transfers. So there's kind of we have one freshman coming in who's, again, probably not ready to play next year, not significantly. So there's really three spots we're trying to fill right now. Yeah. But I, I think, too, the difference between, you know, the guy that we're bringing in, Michael Nuoko, is he's more athletic, more mobile, and he kind of does fit with that small ball approach if we continue to keep going down that road. Uh, but so I'm going to kind of go two ways with this. I'm going to go like position wise, just a general description of like what I would be looking at, because I think this is something that we talked about uh, immediately after uh, the game or a little after. I think we both kind of want that stretch four um, to come in because of what it will do for the floor spacing uh, and how it'll help our guards. Uh, I think if it's not a stretch four, it has to be someone that's more mobile, laterally quick, like hopefully has the ability to kind of step out and shoot a bit. Cause if you have to respect the jump shot, at least it, it'll help with floor spacing as well. To me, I want to see another bigger wing, like someone Jordan Miller's size. We're not going to find someone that does everything that Jordan Miller does because he's essentially a six, seven guard with a seven foot wingspan that can switch onto any position. And, you know, he's a great facilitator, did a lot of things. I'm not going to keep going about Jordan Miller, mm -hmm. I promise. Uh, but I think that we need to find someone that is at least like a two way guy that's kind of lengthier, six, seven. Uh, that could maybe come in and play in that small ball scenario 
I know we talked about Chris Watson playing at the four, but if we had someone that can kind of fill that role as well. And then it's all dependent to me with what happens with Isaiah Wong. Uh, I think definitely adding another guard that can facilitate and score would be a priority because if you lose Isaiah Wong and you lose Jordan Miller, those are two of the best passers that play make for others on the team. So I think that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And that would be, that would be the three I would look at. But if Wong leaves, we would have another spot, right? So save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app, get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for four 99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, if, if, if Wong leaves, it's it becomes an... I think if Wong comes back, you actually have four of the five starters back. Yeah. And you're probably looking... I mean, and then with that fourth position, like you said, they could get another... You first of all could play Watson there. Mm-hmm. That's probably problematic because he's not really he's not. Jordan Miller actually operated better in in the in the block and in the paint than on the perimeter. And Watson's kind of the opposite, even though know, the same height. So it's probably not the move. But you know you could get another big in, or you could kind of like you said get an athletic wing, maybe a little bit taller than Jordan Miller, but not like a not like a center. Or mm-hmm. something that would clog the paint with Norchad. So you could do that and essentially run it back, right? With a similar style of play. But if Wong goes, to your point, I mean, that is, you look at how this team created offense this year. <laughs> it's Pack just jacking up threes and making them. And then it's Wong and, and Miller really with the ball in their hand creating. And you lose both of them, then. I do think, I, I guess it depends on the, the Christian Watson evaluation and whether or not they think he can be that facilitator. Because, yeah. And I, I don't know that he's ready for that yet. I don't think so. I think so. it's more of like this year he would be off ball, kind of make some make some shots off ball, uh, you know, be well, a then, defender. Does the answer become you actually get like a post-up player? To, to 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 facilitate offense. It's so hard to say because it just depends on what the other pieces are that we get, right? Right, right. I mean, but if there is someone that you throw the ball into that can score in the post, that does radically change how we play now. But it does give you a fairly easy way to generate offense to run the offense through that player and open up the shooting and all that stuff. Yeah, I it's think much- you can have that. Because, I mean, Jordan, that's what Jordan did in the low post, you he, know? He did, but he was so much different more than that, that it, was, yeah. that it wasn't, you know. It's, yeah. Go ahead. I think that's why you have to have someone that's maybe that size. Maybe he is a, a post player in that regard, but he he moves a lot more. He doesn't just stay in the low block, and that's how he scores 90% of his buckets. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess the, the, then the question I have for you then on that is, all right, so – if we were to get like a more traditional center, because Norchad is mm. a lot of things, tradition traditional is not one of them. Can Norchad play next to like a seven footer that's going to occupy the low block? Is that um, even an? I guess is that even an? You, I'm, what I'm asking is that even an option for us? 
I think it's an option, but I, I don't like that option. <laughs> uh, just because to me, you're taking away everything that makes Norchad the player that he is, right? Like attacking the offensive glass. It's almost like you, he has to be on the perimeter unless you go high, low and he like runs the baseline or something, or it depends on the big. If it's the big, if the big is someone that's comfortable in the high posts, I guess that kind of changes things. But if it's a traditional, like back to the basket, I'm going to post you up in the low posts every single possession. Um, I don't know if I would like that. I don't think it's a great fit. Yeah, it's, it's, I think I, it changes I, how we play too much. I, I generally agree. I guess, you know, the only thing is, I think ideally what you get is 6'9", six, 6'10", six, athletic stretch four that yes. can potentially guard the opposing center with his height, but will pull people away from the basket, can shoot from the perimeter. So that gives Norchad the paint again. Those don't grow on trees. And so, you know, it's actually ironically easier to get a more traditional center than it is to get that potential unicorn of a, of a, of a stretch, you know, for that, that has that kind of height. Cause I think the big thing is you are going to want that height there. You mentioned Jordan Miller several times in terms of his wingspan that carried a lot for us. Because yeah. even though he was six seven, the seven foot wingspan meant he was able to play a lot bigger. You get a normal a six seven guy in there. I don't know that it works. So, so I, I that's where you're kind of looking. Well, get someone taller that can maybe stretch the floor. I think is is the goal. Um, whether or not we can do that, and again, needs to be able to kind of guard centers on the other end a little bit too to take some of that pressure off Norchad. Jordan Miller did that quite a bit this year as well, which is why, you know, getting a six, seven guy without the wingspan might be problematic on several fronts. Cause we, we definitely use Jordan Miller in that capacity. And for, it might be easier to, to get a get frankly, to get a traditional like big and that plays on the low block than it is to get the, the stretch four. But that said, I do think, I think Norchad could potentially play the four. He, he has the mobility. He has the handle. He's not he, – he moves well. He facilitates. Like a lot of our offense is actually him getting the ball at the top of the key. Yeah. So I think there are things we can do there. But to your point, you know, if you say what's Norchad best out, it is grabbing rebounds and getting him away from the basket takes that away. So that's not a great, great fit for us. Um, he would definitely have to develop his shot too because – when he facilitates from the, the perimeter, I mean, one of the reasons he's really hard to guard, he's got a traditional big on him. You can beat him off the dribble, but he's still looking to get to the rim. And if if there's another center occupying that space on our team, that doesn't really work as well. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, ideally we're getting, I don't know I don't know if this is possible, but, you know, we're getting a stretch for it and then a backup seven-footer that's willing to come off the bench um, and, you know, give us 10 to 15 minutes a game behind Norchad. Ideally, yeah. that's that's what you're targeting for two for, yeah, for the front I think, court. I think too, it would be nice to have another guard. I don't know about the size of guard, but that is more of like that spark off the bench that can you know drop like 15 or something. You know, not like every game, but you know has well, that ability. Well, when is that, someone like Isaiah Wong, you know, isn't having a game, is like, that I mean, Christian Watson though? It's... I, I think the coaches, I think I think a lot of the strategy, again, the coaches obviously see them in practice and all that. 
I think a lot of what we do in terms of addressing that position, a lot of it's obviously based on if Wong comes back or not. Because if he doesn't, then it's a whole other thing we're trying to do here. Because now we're trying to replace the ACC That's player of the year. Yeah, that we're trying. Well, we're trying to replace the ACC player of the year then. So that radically yeah. changes things. But if we're looking to essentially supplement the rotation that we had this year at those positions, because if Wong comes back, we've lost no one off the wing. We saw the same players coming back. So, um, so if we're looking to supplement that, I think it depends on the evaluation they have of Watson. And frankly, if they don't think he can spark us off the bench next year and, you know, potentially give us double figure scoring on, on occasional nights, I think that's problematic. Yeah. I think the problem though is too, like he didn't play much at all. Um, yeah, and I, I again, and, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the players he's sitting behind. Yeah, and that's why that's why I asked the question at the front about like, could he play some minutes at the four? Because that is where there's plenty of minutes available. There's yeah. just not a lot of, and and I guess the other place where he could get minutes is, I mean, he could take some of Beverly's minutes as well. Yeah, that's I mean that's what makes it so tough, right? Too because we didn't see that much of him. We didn't right. see him in situations where he's switching on to bigs or switching on to smaller guards or what have you. Right. Yeah. Which is why, you know, being a guy coming off the bench is like a spark player giving, you know, giving 10 to 15 minutes and, you know, if he's hot playing more, if he's not playing less, that kind of thing. If they don't think he can even do that, where's the, where's the trajectory on that? Yeah. I think the interesting thing too is because we talked about this a little bit um, off air and DMS is do we play our bench more? I would hope so because it like these guys have been here for a little while. The guys on the bench, because I mean we were I forgot the number I told you like three hundred and something out of three hundred and sixty three right. in Division One teams in bench minutes. So uh, these teams that are you know competing, you look at the other teams in the Final Four, they play eight nine guys. That's not really what we did, and then obviously I still think that we could have won. Um, I don't, how do I want to phrase this? I don't think depth was a huge concern, but I think it's just another plus well, that you have because I, I look think, like we had to take, we had to take Wooga out and put you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think we're still circling the same problem, which is that the front court other than the two stars was pretty awful. Um, those players, Casey was young. He wasn't ready yet. Yeah. Right. And then Walker was um, but the uh, those 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 were players that should not be playing minutes in the final four, and I think that's like if we had to go to our our third, I guess the, technically the third. I mean the the bench, you know, on on the front on the the back court is it's Joseph and it's Beverly, who we're more than comfortable giving significant minutes to if we have to. They're fine, you know. They'll contribute, or you know. They'll either make a positive impact or they'll be a steady state. They very rarely are gonna like like they you've never you never, if at all, rarely said, Oh, we gotta get Beverly out of the game. We gotta get we gotta get Joseph out of the game, right? They're fine. I think their limited myths just more to do with who's in front of them. Um yeah. and like, okay, you're really gonna sit packed for the next 10 minutes so that Beverly can get more run. No, you're not gonna do that. So um so I think that's what limited their minutes. The issue we had is the front court was just not there. No one really wanted to see any of the front court backups on the court. They only had to just because, you know, Norwich had and Jordan aren't going to play 40 minutes. 
but like there was no circumstance where you're like we got to get Walker in there and see what he can do. Or we got to get Casey in there and see what he can do is we're like, all right, we got, let's see if we can survive these minutes. So I think that's where, you know, huge to get depth there and get, get better players in there. Not just to, well, we a starter first of all, because Jordan's gone, but also just, we talked a lot like three throughout the year, about North Chad's foul trouble and how that's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem, but it's a big problem because of what was behind him. Yeah. And I mean, so, you look at you look at Yukon, Sonogo plays physical because he knows he has Klingon behind him and he yeah. can do that. So Yeah, I think so I, I really feel like we need three front court players that that can actually like be in the rotation. Cause because you need you need a backup that can play for Norchad, you need a starting power forward, and you need another probably another backup there. Although I guess Casey potentially could step up and be Yeah, I think could Casey be used to be Takes a step up. Yeah, so he could potentially eat one of those, but then you still need at least two guys. Yeah. It's all dependent on what happens with Wong. Yeah. That's the big thing. Because if, yeah. if Wong and Miller are gone, that's two best, two of the best facilitators, two of the most minutes, probably the two most minutes on the team. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think the thing with them is... Um, so... We're obviously we're gonna to have to make changes because Jordan Miller was so pervasive in everything we did. His his height allowed him to play in the perimeter. His wingspan allowed him to play in the paint. So we basically had a two for one there, which yeah. allowed a lot of our stuff to happen around him. But I mean, if you lose Wong on top of that, like you said, that is just not only is that too. I mean, Wong was one of the best. Just flatly, I think Jordan Miller was the key to what we were doing because of his uniqueness. Wong is flat, like one of the best basketball players in Miami history. <laughs> and I, 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 and, and like, that's, you could go to the portal and get someone that not replaces the way Miller played. Cause again, there's no other player that yeah. plays like that, but that could fill that role in terms of play the four, you know, stretch the court out, give Norchad the space, allow us to continue to, you know, to play small and, and kind of spread people out and maybe shoot better from three, two, and, you know, do a little, may do some things better than Jordan did while understanding there's a lot of gaps that have now been opened up because Jordan was so good at almost everything. Um, but Wong is not replaceable <laughs> flatly. I mean, that, that is, that's the guy when, when it came down, like, you know, you look at the Texas game, ISO top of the key, Zay go win us this game. Like you just don't, you don't go in the portal and get that guy. Like you don't get that guy anywhere. So, um, I that that's a that that would be a uh, and and Frank, like I said, I expect him to go because I don't know that there's much else he can do here unless he really just looks across and says, you know what, we're gonna go cut the nets down in Phoenix next year, and I'm gonna be a part of that. Like, and that and you know what, that does motivate players. So, I think we tend yeah. to like look at everything versus Didn't... the lens of the draft, but. Yeah, didn't uh, Armando Baycott come back after winning ACC Player of the Year? I yeah, mean, no, he came back this year, and we but... saw, and we saw what happened. So yeah, uh, let's let's. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, you have thoughts on Caleb Love? If if uh, if, uh, if if um, Wong okay, this is this is what I'm gonna say because I'm all for adding talent, right? But there's certain guys because I think people underestimate the chemistry factor of basketball. And Hunter Dickinson and Caleb Love are two great talents. 
but flat out, I don't know if I'd really want them at Miami uh, for off the court type stuff. Obviously, some of this, I mean, Hunter Dickinson's stuff is out there. Uh, he's kind of a weird dude, constantly like talking about other teams in the media, um, wearing like a ski mask to games, I think, and whatnot. Like, well, that's not going to work in the Miami Heat. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't know how I feel about him. Uh, Caleb Love. Caleb Love is interesting because he can be a facilitator, but like North Carolina struggled so much because they did not get Armando Baycott involved as much as they should. And I think he was a main reason for that. Obviously there was off the court issues with other players with him um, that I'm not going to get into. Cause I don't know if they're true, how true they are and whatnot, but I mean, he's a great player. I don't know if we're really looking at him, but I think I, there's other guards that I would take over him. Okay. No, the reason I I just brought him up, he's probably more familiar to our audience since we play in the ACC. We see him quite oh, yeah. a bit. And uh, he is someone that could potentially facilitate offense, which we might be looking for badly if if Zay is gone. Um, and he's, you know, he's played in the finals. <laughs> so as bad as this season was, I mean, you're getting someone that's, Frankly, watching our team play in the Final Four, it would have been useful to have players that had, had some experience there the way we kind of didn't didn't really rise to the occasion. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know that Dickinson's ever played in a high-stakes game, so Michigan's not, not exactly been, you know, regulars in the Final Four the last couple of years. So, I think it was just completely – whatever the hell happened in North Carolina this year went completely – off the yeah, rails. I don't want any of that. In yeah, no, which I can totally understand. So, so here's my take on this. Um, I generally agree with you. I will say I trust Coach L. Yeah, and if he, because I mean, I I would have said the same thing two years ago for we having this conversation. We obviously weren't doing the show back then, but bring in Charlie Moore. I would have said the same thing. What are you kidding me? This guy has been bouncing around. I don't want that attitude here. By the time he left, I love that kid. So I, I don't I, – I, I kind of trust Coach to, to read the room. I think it's the same thing with Nigel Pack, right? He was a scorer at Kansas State, kind of left there. We gave him a bunch of money. You're thinking, like, is this going to even fit in with the team? Could not have fit better. Great team player, great kid, gets along with everyone. Everyone loves him inside the locker room. So I almost – I, I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to go after Kayla Love because I think I think Coach O will have read that situation, know the kid, know this is not a good idea. But I would say just generally, he's been very good about identifying the right person to not yes. to not blow the locker room up. And I think that also. I think whoever comes in will be, you know, vetted through through whatever whatever vetting Coach L does to identify. Yes, that is. That's the player that we want because that's going to fit well with our with our with our team dynamic. Because we were definitely we were definitely the most together team there, despite oh, yeah. despite bringing in two new starters that were transfers, right? I mean, and so I, I think that that's the coach. So I think he'll read it. And so you know we're going to see some. Why didn't we go after player X or player Y? And it's going to be because Coach L kind of knew. That's that's not worth it. That's something people love the names. That's what it is, you know. Yeah, I think Nigel Pack has been like one of the biggest names because he was one of the top transfer mm-hmm. targets. But 
Sorry, I know you have to go. The next show is starting. Well, but... um, it looks like I'm on a little bit of a delay, saying eight ten now. So we got ten more minutes. So let's let's. Oh, okay. Let's keep awesome. hooping. Let's keep hooping. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you look at the transfers that you know Coach L has brought in in the past, and it wasn't necessarily the biggest names. You know, it's just guys that fit into what he was doing, right? So, I have every. I, I believe in him. I believe what he's going to do. I'm all for, you know, even if I am skeptical a little bit, cause you know, that's how I, how I'm going to be. I, I know he's going to do what's right. Um, and I know this team's going to be successful with his, any decision he makes. And I mean, the transfer portals are real time right now, man. There's a ton of names in there. So he's going to have a huge selection of dudes to look at. Yeah, and, and, you know, again, a lot of this, a lot of what we do will definitely depend on what Zay does because, you know, as much as I think right now we're probably one of the more attractive options, we're in the ACC, we're returning at least three starters off a Final Four team. And especially if you're a front court player, there are major minutes available here. So I think, you know, if you look at that, we're probably one of the top options, but... You know, if Zay goes, then <laughs> that yeah. that does change quite a bit in terms of just okay. Now we really need a legitimate starting guard right now. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about the guys that we know Miami has reached out to? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So one of them, I'm trying to remember them off the top of my head. Jonathan Pierre, out of Nova Southeastern. I don't know if you know about this kid. He's the D2 transfer. Nova Southeastern is the school that's it's the I don't yeah, know if no. it's in Miami. No, no, it's in it's in Broward where every everyone should be. Broward, familiar. yeah, Davey. Okay, um, I don't, should... you know West Coaster over here. I know, so yeah, I know it's South Florida. Um, and yeah, no, they're they're very they're they're ubiquitous within South Florida from an academic standpoint. A lot of people go through there, so it's not okay. It's a very well known not for sports, but obviously their basketball team mm-hmm. went undefeated. Yeah, <laughs> won the championship like thirty six and zero. Or yeah, something. so so that I that definitely they, got noticed. Um, but yeah, they're not really. Known I think for... they played FAU in a skirmish, like a exhibition before the season or something. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent. I'd have to fact check that. Um, but no, he's a he's a versatile guy. He's six nine. He can play make. He can create off the dribble. That's something this, unique to his is, size. Are you worried at all about like a, that step up in competition? Mm. D two is like a whole other thing. Yeah, but I mean, there's D two programs that have beaten D one program. I mean, Louisville lost to a D two program. I mean, Louisville lost to everyone. So yeah, that's true. But still, like I, th- I think that the D two competition has gotten a lot better. I mean, if they they went thirty six and zero, I'm not super familiar about the te- the schools they're playing. But if they won the national championship, I mean, they had to have been playing against the best competition. I don't think right. his his stats like it's not like he was putting up like thirty points a game or whatever. I think he was like fourteen, fourteen and um, some change. But we're, we're thinking more of like a, a role player off the bench here, right? Not probably. Yeah, we're, not, we're expecting him to come in and like replace Jordan Miller. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, too, like his versatility that he brings, it's different from Jordan Miller, but it's kind of something that would be interesting to see next to Norchad because he can shoot the three really well. He shoots over like it was like over 40 percent. So that's something that would be really interesting to see. And he's only 19 years old, I think. 
So I saw a limited tape of him. Definitely someone I'm interested in. I just don't know, you know, how much he would contribute right away um, this season. But definitely a, a name that's interesting. If you have eight, what is it, like 80 schools going after you? Like that kind of says a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I do worry about that. Just adjustment um, to, we play big boy basketball <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, in a one, one game scenario, whatever, it's fine. Like dealing with the, the rigors of the ACC is a whole other thing. Um, we're so postseason folk. I mean, we're basically, what we're trying to do is beat the kinetic. We're trying to win the Connecticut game by plugging in new players, right? I mean, that's mentally yeah. what we're doing. But if you think about trying to like, you know, go through an ACC schedule and play legitimate size day in, day out. It's a lot coming out of well, the there's, there's Whenever you transfer to, there's always going to be an adjustment period. Right. Like Nigel Pack was not the same player he was yep. in the first half of the season versus the second half. Right. And a lot of that was dealing with position change and new personnel and whatnot. But, you know, that's how it is when you when you change to a new program and you deal with different competition. Obviously, he was coming from a, you know, a really good conference, but... But yeah, so uh, and then uh, Jalen Deloach, I think you say his name for VCU. VCU, Yeah, yeah, VCU, another tournament team. Uh, I know he listed us in 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 his top six. Yeah, someone that I don't know how you'd feel about him playing next to Norchad. I think he definitely is pretty quick for his size. Isn't he two six nine? Is he six nine? For some reason, I thought he was six three, and I was like, we're really getting another wing. I don't know. I must have mixed with someone else. He's a okay. Big, okay. Not, uh, pretty solid at finishing at the rim. Has nice touch. Not really, from what I saw, like uh, have that jump shot down. But I think he does add yeah, you know, depth in a position of need that we've talked about, right? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's it's hard to. Uh, I think whoever the you're, you're we've been over this this whole show right you're not going to replace jordan miller but i think i think the only, i think whoever plays next to norchad has got to be able to shoot yeah you can't i think he has it. the potential too though i will say so like if he came off the bench right like i think he he has the lateral quickness and athletic ability to kind of stay with a guard now I don't want him guarding a pose- guarding a guard the entire you know possession or whatever. But if that switch happens, you know, because you know the switches do happen with our defense and whatnot, like I'm not super uncomfortable with that mismatch, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more our offense is about pace and space. I think yeah. he can do I'm the. Saying- pa- I think he can do the pace. I don't know that he can do the space if he doesn't. Yeah, well, I'm thinking of him if, if he's, like, the backup and he's coming in for Norchad. Oh, you think playing him at center? Yeah. Interesting. I still think we need to get, like, legitimate hype behind Norchad. Yeah. I think I, because, and, and this, is, this is the reason I say that, um, or, you know, next him and flank Norchad out or someone that could play with Norchad but also back him up something because um, it's because of the foul trouble. Unfortunately, the decision to go and and pull Norchard out is usually not a tactical basketball decision as much as a foul protection decision. And if the other team has legitimate bigs, you know, Norchad is is a is strong enough and it can battle even at being undersized. But 
putting in a smaller backup, you know, someone that's frankly probably built more like Anthony Walker, that that gets abused. And, you know, if it's a situation where someone picks up two fouls and like where Norjet picks up two quick fouls, or, you know, what Coach L started doing in the tournament, which is he picks his first foul. I'm going to sit him for a while to avoid the second one. I mean, it's the same problem, right? Now we're playing undersized by force versus by choice. So I think we just need that other, we need that other bullet that, okay, here's this big dude we can put in too. It'll also, like you said, you know, when you're talking about Sonogo being able to play free, it'll allow him to play a little freer too. Knowing that, all right, we're not going to collapse entirely if I have to go out with foul trouble. No, sorry. I was looking down at my phone because I thought I saw Miami. So I was like, I was like, someone, <laughs> I was like, uh oh, we got news. I'm going to break something, but it did not say Miami. Sorry. I, I think, I think we need someone else to, uh, to come in before we have another person at the portal. We need, we need to, we need to supplement this roster a little bit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So we'll have to, we'll have to do a show though where we, oh, we're going to keep, we're going to keep doing rolling kind of shows here as, as news, news comes in. Um, so yeah, no, we we will be we're into the off season. There's a lot. Um, we are not going to stop covering basketball. So, um, but now I got I got you and Melissa to like chat with on these things. So we're gonna keep doing shows. Um, Melissa and I are actually gonna talk a little women's hoops. I think next week. I don't know. We're we're working on it. Um, but then, yeah, with you, we definitely want to. Uh, you know, as stuff happens, so I'll, I'll be reaching out immediately. Like, I mean, there's gonna be news happening over the next weeks fast and and, and and so like yeah someone comes in we'll immediately try to get on a stream and talk about that someone leaves that's not expected again i don't think jakai rises to that standard but you know if we find out news on longer god forbid pack <laughs> or something that uh that we'll definitely hop on and do that but yeah we're going to continue to cover this program in the off season as well so yeah Awesome, man. Well, yeah, you yeah no, th- thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll definitely be a lot more basketball coverage to come for those that are interested over the next, I would say, few weeks to a month as, you know, rosters turn over and then we'll kind of see how next year's team is shaping up. And then definitely, you know, I think we're going to go full in on hoops coverage going forward so it's been like a it's been like a little section i've been carving out of the main show but i think we're just gonna do it independently so you melissa and myself will be i'm trying to get you both on the same show but uh you're in california she does like shift work where like she's not usually available during normal hours so it's just it's it's gonna be hard to do but i will eventually get both of you on the same show together although um between the two of us you might not get a word out if you saw the show on monday the two hours of babbling and I was trying to insert ads into the, uh, into the podcast and like, it's like a radio wave. Right. And you, I usually just look for where it flat lines cause there's like a gap and talking and I drop it in there. There was no flat line. So um, <laughs> we talked over each other and through each other for two hours, but uh, um, yeah, no, we'll definitely do a lot more coverage. And then next year, I think we'll be doing like basically season preview all the way through to cutting the nets down in Phoenix. So sounds bold, bold prediction there. Matt, thank you again. We'll be we'll be talking shortly as kind of more of the roster change happens. But thanks for uh, for joining me today, and uh, we'll we'll be back soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. The Six Rig Kane Show. The Six Rig Kane Show. The Six Rigs Kane Show. You know.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.